G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Wednesday, we do like to check in on the latest breaking news out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines once again. Back with us, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's start with Palestinian Authority factions, Fatah and Hamas, signing a reconciliation deal, hoping to end their 15-year rift. What are the headlines reporting? The Palestinian faction signed a reconciliation deal in Algiers, vowing to hold elections by next October. We signed this agreement to get rid of the malignant cancer of division that has entered the Palestinian body said the head of the Fatah delegation, Azam al-Mahmid. Hamas chief Ismail Haniyeh said it was a day of joy in Palestine and Algeria and for those who loved the Palestinian cause. He said it was a day of sadness for the Zionist entity, referring to the state of Israel. Algerian President Abdelaziz Taboun, who mediated the deal, noted in a speech at the signing ceremony in the Algerian capital's Palace of Nations that Yasser Arafat had used the same building to announce the independence of the state of Palestine in 1988. Right, let's give our attention to uh, a little bit of activity that's happening further to the west of Israel. The Iranians steadfast on toppling the Islamic regime, crying out for world support. That unrest is continuing. What's the story here, Ron? Yeah, good friends of mine at the Media Line spoke to a protester inside Iran and campaigners and experts abroad who lambast foreign governments for failing to lend vital weight to their desperate campaign. For more than a month, the streets of Iran have been ringing with cries of women, life, freedom, the slogan of a revolution born of desire for true liberty. We want the whole world to know that we don't want this regime And we're going to fight until the last drop of our blood to get rid of it, the protester said. His comments are echoed by Jasmine Ramsey, the deputy director of the U.S.-based Independent Center for Human Rights in Iran. He said there are so many people in Iran that feel that they live under the thumb of an authoritarian government and they are risking everything to speak out against them. And more from the Middle East, Russia offering arms sales to Saudi Arabia. What's this one about? Russian newspaper Izvestia quoted Vladimir Zaborov, first deputy chief of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the upper house of the Russian parliament, advising the Saudis and other Persian Gulf states to stand firm against bullying from the Biden team, which was enraged by Saudi-led OPEC, announcing massive oil production cuts a month before the U.S. midterm elections. If the U.S. continues to threaten Persian Gulf countries with disrupted weapons supplies, Russia could easily replace American supplies in that market. Those countries are solvent and were able to see Russian weapons 
in combat action in Syria, Zbarov said. Russia's former ambassador to Saudi Arabia, I think very sarcastically, Andrew Bakhladov, doubted the U.S. would hold arms sale to Saudi Arabia completely, no matter how angry the Biden administration might be, because the Saudis spend so much money on American weapons. Ron, Australia featuring in some headlines too in Israel, a contentious one where Australia quietly walks back recognition of West Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Uh, what is being reported in the Middle East? Yes, I read this tucked away in a corner in the Times of Israel. In recent days, they said Canberra's Department of Foreign Affairs deleted two sentences addressing Jerusalem from its website which were added when Prime Minister Morrison announced the move in 2018. The now-deleted text described West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and added that Australia looks forward to moving its embassy to West Jerusalem when practical, in support of and after the final status determination of a two-state solution. Foreign Minister Penny Wong said as an opposition senator in 2018 that her centre-left party, Labor, does not support unilateral recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and in government we will reverse that decision. The Foreign Ministry website still includes the bipartisan position that Australia is committed to a two-state solution in which Israel and a future Palestinian state coexist in peace and security. Jerusalem has yet to respond to the change and there's been no comment from the Australian Embassy in Israel. Well, no doubt we'll try and monitor that one along. Another headline though, Ron, Christians from 50 nations hold solidarity rally with Israelis near Gaza. How does this one look? The International Christian Embassy Jerusalem concluded its week-long Feast of Tabernacle celebration on Sunday the 16th of October with a solidarity visit to the Western Negev to show support for Israeli communities living under constant rocket threat along the Gaza border area and a tree planting ceremony with Karen KMF to reflect the ICEJ's commitment to the security and regreening of the Western Negev region. Over 700 Christians from 50 nations around the world took part in a solidarity rally held in the spacious courtyard of the Shah Negev High School. Christian musical and dance teams from Fiji, Germany and the Philippines performed for the mixed Jewish-Christian audience. As the solidarity rally ended, the ICJ delegates also released 1,000 blue and white balloons as prayers for peace in the Gaza border region. And Ron, Simchat Torah, a Jewish holiday of great significance, has just ended. Uh, what's that one all about? I love Simchat Torah. The Jewish holiday known as Simchat Torah began on Monday and ended last night. During the festival, Jews celebrate another year of reading and studying the Bible, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, which according to Jewish tradition were divinely revealed to Moses at Mount Sinai. Simchat Torah is Hebrew for the joy of the Torah. It's a celebration, often accompanied by dancing and singing, 
to mark the completion of the annual reading of this section of the Bible. Each week of the year, congregations around the world read a particular portion of the Torah called a parashah in a specified order. On Simchat Torah, the scrolls that contain this literature are removed from the ark, the special place where they're kept at the front of the synagogue. While one or two scrolls are taken out during readings at the usual weekly service, Simchat Torah is one of the few times in the year that all scrolls are taken out of the ark together. Celebrants circle seven or some traditions three times around the bima, the stage where the scrolls are read during services, while holding these scrolls and dancing. This dancing, called hachafot in Hebrew, occurs both in the evening and the morning of Simchat Torah. In some Jewish communities, people say they become the very feet of the scrolls, carrying them so the scrolls themselves can participate in the dancing and the joy. The rejoicing extends into the streets. The last liturgical section of the year is read from the book of Deuteronomy. During the same service, the first section of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, is also read. In this fashion, Simchat Torah connects the ending of the reading cycle with the beginning of the new one. And may I add writer and Holocaust survivor Ellie Weasel, wonderful man. For example, he saw in the Simchat Torah a reminder that we never know everything, much less than we think we know, even for a text as familiar as the Bible. An entire lifetime of reading the Torah week after week, year after year, cannot begin to yield all the possible interpretations. So according to Eli Wiesel, Simchat Torah is a time to take joy, not only in completing the liturgical reading cycle, but in the reminder that we always need to read again and be willing to begin again, even stories that we think we know. The celebration of Simchat Torah had profound significance in Wiesel's point of view, since he said the very act of reading will make for a better world. Uh, well, Ron, great getting insights. Uh, thanks so much for another great update on those breaking news headlines this week. Uh, Ron Ross, appreciate you being with us once again on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.